Well, that's not been a particularly good two days for your Toronto Raptors. On today's episode of the show, we're going to dig into the losses to Dwayne Casey's Detroit Pistons. That one is explainable thanks to Karmic Forces and the loss to the Orlando Magic on Friday, which really kind of comes down to Gary Trent Jr. We'll dig into why these losses don't mean that much for this year's team but why I think they kind of hint at what the team needs to do in the summer to really beef up their potential odds of contending down the line. And we will hand out the dudes of the game for the last two games as well. That's all coming up on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Thanks for being here. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1131 of Lockdown Raptors for Saturday, March the 5th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Lockdown Raptors. And of course, you can subscribe, follow, rate, review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and all the various audio apps. Plus, you can go to YouTube and subscribe to the show. Hit that big red subscribe button over there to see the show on video every single day as well. And as always, a big thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Sorry there was no episode on Friday. I had some tech difficulties where I recorded an entire episode and the audio did not pick up on it whatsoever in the recording site that we use. And so uh, we're here today to recap a pair of games as opposed to putting out a haphazard, rushed, uh, redone episode before the game last night. We get to uh, just stew in the, the majesty of a couple of really ugly losses for your Toronto Raptors against two very, very bad teams, arguably the two worst teams in the NBA. And look, on the surface, you might look at these losses and it might look like, oh God, doom is nigh for this Raptors team. They're two and four in the last week since the All-Star break. They've not looked particularly good outside of one game against the Nets. Of course, a very depleted Nets team. It's been a rough go here over the last six games, but I do think the games against the Pistons and the Magic have some explainers behind them. And look, the whole injuries are not an excuse thing, I suppose, holds up in some contexts. I don't buy it in this case. The injuries are very clearly a big reason why the Raptors have not looked so good out of the gate here since the All-Star break last weekend. And we'll dig into reasons why that's the case and sort of the what does this actually tell us? I, again, I don't think it really tells us anything about the team this season. But for the future, I do think we're getting some uh, little inklings as to what the moves might have to be in the offseason to help augment this roster that exists in such a delicate balance. We've seen this team, when they're fully healthy, look like a well-oiled machine, but they're always riding that tightrope, just barely in that little sort of sweet spot of equilibrium. And if they lose any of their important pieces, it really becomes difficult to patch together a functional basketball team. And that's because shooting is so at a premium on this roster. And if you take one of their good shooters out, it's a problem. If you take two of their good shooters out, it's a disaster. And if the third very good shooter on the team, Gary Trent Jr., is going to be mired in like an all-time bad cold slump, 
that is going to be a problem as well. So we'll dig into that in a second. I also want to, you know, tee up what else we've got coming in today's show. Uh, I got two dudes of the game to hand out at the end. One of them is going to Nick Nurse, I have to say, uh, for his work against Mark Davis on Thursday night. We'll also hand out one to a player from last night's game against the Magic. Uh, and I also want to kind of dig into what the rotation should look like once the Raptors get whole again, and hopefully that happens sometime soon here. It won't obviously be for just under two weeks now with OG, but Fred VanVleet coming back in would really help stabilize things as well. So we'll get into that. But first, yeah, let's let's dive into what last night's game against the Magic and the game against the Pistons actually tells us. You know, the Raptors lost these games. Look, their defense had its moments of looking rickety and out of sorts, and those lineups that feature Kem Birch were kind of a big reason for those over the last couple games here, where the defenses look really rough. Um, but really, the issue here is offense. The Raptors just have no spacing on offense right now. They have no finishing talent on offense right now outside of a couple of guys. And it's really, really cutting into their ability to play Raptors basketball. I've talked all season long about how this Raptors team operates either in a positive feedback loop where their offense is feeding their defense and vice versa, or they operate in a negative feedback loop where their offense is miserable. They can't get back and set on defense, which was a huge problem last night against the Magic, who were just running down their throats. And then their defense is not set where they can, you know, force turnovers and get it on the run and score easy buckets, which is how they typically make their hay. And so They've been in a negative feedback loop for like six games now, you know, that game against the Nets on Monday notwithstanding. It's been difficult to find that sort of, you know, the lock-in gear that they typically can find when they have a full roster available to them. And look, again, I don't think what we've seen this week over the last two games in particular tells us anything about the ceiling of this year's team. I still think, you know, all things considered, this team still has a very good shot at being the sixth seed. They're two games back of the Cavs right now. The nice thing is that the teams around them in that race for six and to hold off the teams below them are losing right now. The Hornets are winning some games, but the Nets uh, lost their first game with Kevin Durant back. That's a big one. Every game is precious for them with how far back they are right now. The Cavaliers lost last night to the Sixers and the Raptors play the Cavaliers tomorrow on Sunday so that's a big one in the standings as well so they're getting some help from around them in the standings earlier in the season they were winning all these games and no one was losing and it was really really frustrating the opposite is kind of happening now where they're getting a little bit a little bit of help as they lose that is still to say like I think the ceiling of this team is still hey you get a nice matchup in the first round and you happen into a second round series and you lose nobly in five or six games to a very good team that is a perfectly acceptable outcome for a season that had a preseason Vegas over under of 36 and a half wins and I think you have to kind of keep it all in context and perspective as you talk about this team in the recent losing ways I do think that you know, while I don't think the ceiling of this year's team has changed at all, like I still think once you get Fred and OG back, we know what this team looks like and we know that they can be pretty damn good. I do think it does maybe this recent stretch tell us that the offseason is going to have to come with a certain set of priorities, and that is going to be shooting. Obviously, they did not address that issue at the deadline. It's hard to do. There's lots of shooters out there. They're at a premium and everybody wants them. And it's hard to pony up the price that a team is going to want for good shooting because that is the going rate right now in the NBA is high prices for shooting. And they did not feel like it was worth, you know, ruining their, their future plans in order to get a short-term shooting solution. And I think that's fair. I think the way Thad Young has played, it's been a totally reasonable add to the team. It wasn't so great last night against the Magic, but he's been really effective so far in the games that he's played. So I got nothing wrong there. But in the offseason, like, they're just going to have to do something to address the depth of shooting on this team. Because, again, when they're at full health, 
the shooting is fine. They can get by. They have Gary Trent Jr., who has been mostly very good this season. They have OG and Fred, both really good shooters. And you would assume OG's not going to shoot as poorly as he did throughout the last few months of the season because apparently he's been doing it with a busted finger. And that hurts. That's on his shooting hand. That's probably a big reason why this has not been his most banner three-point shooting season. You know, off the bench, Malachi Flynn is looking like a very legitimate three-point option. The last few games, he's been outstanding. He was so good last night against the Magic. The second-best Raptor on the floor, I think, pretty clearly, next to Pascal Siakam. 7-14, 4-7 from downtown. Got to the line four times. Eight assists as well. He is very much in the plans, I think, going forward here. And he has to be because he's an extra shooter you can throw out there and actually feel pretty good about. He's, he's happy to put him up. He's not trigger shy or anything like that. He feels like he can be a solution to this. You've also got guys like Yuta Watanabe who can slot in and I think probably deserves more time. Uh, and, you know, he can be a shooting option for you as well. Again, a full health. They have just enough to get by to go along with their crazy defense and their transition and their offensive rebounding acumen. They have enough to scrape by on offense. But without those guys, it all just falls out the bottom because you have guys putting up bricks. You have Precious Achua. Bless his soul. Two of four from downtown last night. You know, he's putting them up very eagerly. It's a little bit hit and miss. Sometimes he's cash. Sometimes he misses by three feet. Chris Boucher, not someone I really trust taking threes. And I'm happy that his three-point volume has gone down this season. But he still has been asked to take a few here and there because there's just nobody else spacing out to the corners or to the wings. It, it's just there's not a lot of space on this team the way it's currently constructed for when there's injuries to deal with. And so I think the top priority for this offseason has to be filling out the bench and the rotation with guys who can capably catch and shoot because we know the formula here. You get Pascal Siakam or Fred Van Vliet going downhill, even Scotty Barnes. You get OG Ananobi in the post. They like to find ways to get ball movement going through the gravity of their very good one-on-one -on -one players. And when they do that and they have a successful sort of collection of guys around them who can space and knock down those threes, the ones that Pascal's creating or the ones that Fred's creating on his driving kicks, it's a totally workable operation. But you take one of those little pillars out and it becomes like last season where it's just Pascal Siakam passing to Stanley Johnson nonstop over and over again. And it just it really runs dry. You have cold spells where you just can't bring it back and last night i mean the first three quarters against the magic were a nightmare they scored 60 total points in three quarters you just can't do that in the modern nba at times it looked like they were flirting with like the season low in total points for a game which i think is 75 for this season it looked like they might hit that until they got hot in the fourth quarter again just a little bit too little too late their defense didn't hold up in the fourth quarter either against orlando so again i i think for this season, these losses don't concern me. I still think the ceiling for this team is very much attainable. And, you know, I still think they have a pretty good shot at making the sixth seed considering how their schedule closes. They have this one big road trip coming up starting next week. After that, it's pretty much home free and home cooking for the rest of time, rest of the time. And I think they'll be able to rack up some wins there. It's just in terms of the future outlook for this team, you're going to be kind of capping yourself. I think if you go into next season with only three reliable sort of trusted, capable shooters, maybe you count Flynn as a fourth, depending on how this season closes, maybe Utah gets in there and is counted as a fifth, but you got to have more off the bench. You got to have more options. Even if they're not going to be regular guys who play all the time, if they're going to be your 11th, 12th, 13th men, you have to get guys in those spots who can slot in and make it sure your shooting infrastructure doesn't fall to garbage whenever one of your very good shooters is out or two of them. And with Gary Trent Jr., I mean, it, it sucks because he has been so good this season. He's an absolute delight to watch. But I think it's pretty fair to say that he has been the reason the Raptors have lost these last two games. Like, if he has even 
like a below average Gary Trent Jr. night in either of these ones, they probably come out. They lost by two against the Pistons. If you get two threes out of Gary Trent Jr., it completely swings the game. Same goes for the Magic game last night. He was very eagerly putting them up, trying to shoot himself out of it. And that's the problem. It's like the Gunners compromise with Gary Trent Jr. You need him to shoot himself out of this slump. It just so happens he's probably going to cost them some games as he does it. And so it's just there's not enough in terms of backstop for the shooting infrastructure for the team to really survive here. So that's where I'm kind of at. This season, I'm not worried about these losses. I don't think they change what this team is or what it can do. But for the future, they got to address that problem big time in the offseason because you can't be relying on three guys to be your entire shooting uh, economy. Like, it's just not enough. We're going to continue on. I want to dive into some rotation stuff and talk about the lineups that should be in play once the Raptors do reach some full health here. And sadly, got to dig into Kem Birch, who has just not been good at all lately. And I think it's time to maybe take him out of the rotation just to kind of let him settle. We'll get to that in just one second here. But first, I do want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online, who are the place to go to get all of the information you need before you place your bets. Go there. They have the latest odds, totals, player performance props, and the next coach fired lines as well for all of your favorite basketball action, both pro and college. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. It's the best place to get sports scores, podcasts, and news this season to make sure you're informed before before you place your bets. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, eventually baseball, football futures, everything in between. You can head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Go to BetOnline.net. It's where the game starts. All right. We continue on here with today's Saturday edition of Locked On Raptors, your first listen of the day. And we got to dig into the Ken Birch of it all right now. Ken Birch is really, really not cutting it for this Raptors team at the moment. And it pains me to say because I want Ken Birch to be successful. It's an awesome story. He's playing for his childhood team. We had his mom on the podcast last year to talk about how wonderful the story it is that Ken Birch has you know, found his way to the team that he always wanted to be playing for. But right now, he is really hurting the Raptors. His defense is slow-footed. He is not fitting into the scheme that the Raptors play. He is just a, a step too short. He is getting guys you know, blown by. Guys are getting blown by him. He's just looking out of sorts on that end. He's not providing that back-end rim protection as well that a guy like Precious Achua does, for example. And we know how badly this team needs that backline rim protection. I don't want to invoke the name of Aaron Baines, because a Aaron Baines went through hell last season. If you've read the stories on him, you don't want to like too too much pile on there. But the way Birch has played the last few games here, it's kind of reminded me of the way Baines kind of sunk things for the Raptors last season, where he just was not doing any of the things they need from their centers. And you're getting better versions of that from other guys on the team who maybe are less traditional centers, but they're still playing the role more effectively. Just to go through some of the lineup data right now, of the Raptors' most used lineups, I think they're 10 most used lineups that I'm looking here. Um, sorry, they're nine most used lineups. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, of their nine most used lineups, all the minute the lineups that have played more than 40 minutes, which is not a lot of minutes, all small sample sizes here, except for their main starting five when they've been healthy. But all of these lineups here, of, of them, the, the three worst are lineups featuring Kem Birch. The Birch, Siakam, Van Vliet, Trent Barnes that was playing when OG was out, but Fred was available is a minus 
uh, per 100 possessions in 86 minutes. Just really getting run off the floor. The starts of games have been a nightmare. You've seen it in a lot of these recent games. Uh, the Birch, Siakam, Van Vliet, and Anobi Trent, which uh, is the starting lineup they'll use when Scotty Barnes is not available. That was earlier on in the season. It's a minus 1.5. Uh, they'll, they'll use that sometimes within games as well here as they'll sub out uh, Gary Trent Jr. early and bring in Ken Birch. Sorry, not Gary Trent Jr. Uh, uh, Scotty Barnes and sub in Ken Birch. I think we've seen that a few times. Well, we've seen it only in 10 games. It's all small samples that we're talking about here. So picking out the exact moments at which they've been used is difficult. The other bad lineup here in this group is Birch, Siakam, Trent, Flynn, Barnes. The lineup we've seen the last three games start, last three games, yeah, whatever Fred's been out, four games, however long it's been, we've seen this lineup quite a bit. 50 minutes so far in six games, and it's a minus 5.5. They're giving up 128.7 defensive rating. They're scoring well, 123.2. I think kind of on the back of what they did in the fourth quarter last night more than anything else, but the defense is still getting cooked, and it's just been a running theme that these Ken Birch-centered lineups are just not working not to mention on his offensive end of the game he's just not hitting those floaters that he's kind of got to hit he made a couple of nice passes on the short roll last night that's all right but they have other guys who can make those short roll passes and do it even more effectively scotty barnes has always been incredible in that situation this year we know pascal siakam as a screener is super dangerous og when he's healthy does that too precious the has been even doing that a little bit and it's just not there's not enough being done by Ken Birch right now to justify him being on the floor. So I think what's probably best right now is that you just excise him from the rotation. Not forever. It doesn't mean that he's like a bad, you know, albatross contract or anything. He makes like 6 million bucks a year. He'll have his moments. He'll get spots. I think he just needs to get right. He's been so in and out of the lineup all season long. He's been banged up. He keeps getting hit in the damn face after breaking his nose. It's just been a season from hell for Ken Birch, and I totally believe that you kind of give him a fresh start next year, and he can be a totally serviceable backup for you. But right now, he is hurting the team whenever he's on the floor, and their worst moments are coming with him out there. And you're seeing like an instant change when you put Precious Achua into these games, for example. It's just, oh, wow, okay, it all makes sense. It's all coming together. It, it just, it, it he... Tightens everything up defensively. He's doing more in terms of having dynamism on offense. And I think Precious needs to be starting number one. And I just think right now you're seeing a little bit of clutter. You're seeing the issue of having, you know, four bigs who are your main guys sort of in the back part of the rotation after your main five guys. It's just pretty difficult to make it all work and have it all balanced. And I think it would work a lot better for the Raptors if they just had Precious as their sort of main center. You have Boucher fill in as a backup, you know, small ball five or Thad Young as your small ball five. But I think that Thad-Boucher combo makes a lot of sense right now. You know, until OG gets back, you, you start Precious and then you have Thad and Boucher be your bench guys. Really what I think is the lineups that the Raptors should be going for here, the rotation they should be establishing, I think based on what we've seen here, is we know the main five guys. When they're fully healthy, you get Fred, you get Gary, you get OG, you get Scotty, you get Siakam. I think that's a totally fine way to start games. You know, And I've talked about that all season long. I have no problem starting that small ball lineup just to get and see what we have in that group. Well, what does that lineup look like? What potential pitfalls are there? And how could it be altered going into next season in terms of guys you swap in and out? How who you might target to fill in a starting five if you feel like you need to do that. I think that's a good thing to do. Just get that starting five as much run as, as it can. We've seen it be relied upon all season long. They've crushed in crunch time. I'm totally fine with that. The bench lineup right now, I think, is coming into clearer view as to what that lineup should be at full health. 
Malachi Flynn's got to be there. He's been so good and really, really impressing me in terms of how he sees the opportunity these last few games. He 100% has to be in the rotation going forward. He offers a downhill element the Raptors don't have a ton of. He's getting into the teeth of the defense. He's really igniting transition really quickly. He's getting it on the run. He's not, you know, lollygagging or anything like that. He's just getting right into stuff. And he's been a super, super eager catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, which they desperately need on this roster. After that, you know, Thad and Chris Boucher, I think, are in there as well. Thad, obviously, is just a really good connector, can finish some plays for you, and has been eager to shoot those catch-and-shoot threes after looking a little bit hesitant in the first couple games he played with the team. It seems like he's kind of had that hesitancy coached out of him, and he's happy to put up those catch-and-shoots, even if they're not always going to fall. You know, there's going to be some regression from his, whatever, 9-for-9 start to his Raptors career, whatever it was, but he still feels like a guy who can be sort of-ish, league average-ish for you, so that's fine. Chris Boucher, we know what he brings off the bench. It's chaos. It's offensive rebounding. It's shot blocking. You're happy to have Chris Boucher in there. And then beyond that, you got to try to fill in the rest of the spots around that, right? And I think the way that you have to go here is to – I have the, the sort of list of players that I think should be playing here for the Raptors. I lost the thing. Yeah, so the second unit, I think, once they're fully healthy, Flynn, Utah, Thad, Boucher, and Precious. Precious starts while OG comes back. Hopefully Fred comes back before OG does. There's no timeline. Both guys are traveling on the trip. But I think Flynn, Utah, Thad, Boucher, Precious as your 6 through 10 makes a lot of sense. It removes Kem from that rotation, and that sucks for Kem, but he just has not played very well right now, and he's hurting them when he's on the floor. You have Svi as a backup shooting option who's been getting some run lately. He's not really hit anything from three, but rooting for him too. And he's in there as sort of a, okay, Gary's having an awful night, or you know they're, they're not getting anything from Utah. You can swap in Svi there for some theoretical shooting. And then you have Champagne and the rest kind of filling out the back end of the rotation. I think Banton right now is hurting things more than he's helping more often than not when he comes in just because he's not a threat to shoot at all. And it's even amplified when they don't have any other shooters on the floor. And it's just one less guy they have to worry about as the defense. So, yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear, honestly. Like Fred, Gary, OG, Scotty, Pascal is your main five. Flynn, Utah, Thad, Boucher, Precious. You make that work. And you obviously you stagger guys in and out, you, you, you do mishmash lineups and whatnot. But I think that's the rotation they got to go forward with here once they're fully healthy, based on what we've seen lately. You know, Utah, I've been a big proponent of all season long. I think it's still weird that he totally lost his job after a couple games back from COVID, not looking very good. And we saw last night, yeah, he, I think he airballed a three of his first attempt, but he did knock down a catch and shoot three on the move last night against the Magic, and that was really great to see. His defense is obviously excellent. He was getting out on the run, forcing steals and things like that. He, to me, has to be getting some regular run here because he does things this Raptors team desperately needs from shooting to playing the defense that the team actually likes to play and being able to uphold the sort of integrity of their scheme. He's big for that. Obviously, Thad, Precious, Boucher, I think, are kind of no-brainers. So that's where I'm at with the rotation right now. The Ken Birch problem continues on, and it bums me out, man. I want Ken Birch to succeed. I really do. But it's just not working at the moment. And I think just kind of giving them some space to regroup and not be sort of in this heated playoff race being so relied upon is probably the move here for the Raptors. We'll continue on and hand out the dudes of the game for the last two games as well. And we will wrap up the show. That's coming up in one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com who are uh, making it easy to get auto parts for your car that you desperately need and without having to pay incredible exorbitant prices for the parts and having to be at the mercy of what the mechanic has in stock. Instead, you have the power now. You can go and buy the parts you need and then ask them to put that it, put it in and just pay for the labor and not pay for the part 
trying to sell you. It's a wonderful place. You can go and examine their website. It is so easy to use that I can use it. And I'm a car dum-dum. I don't know what any of the parts are called, but I know some keywords I can plug in. I'll plug in my make, model, and year, and I can find all of the parts that I need for my car. It's conveniently listed right there for you. A beautifully designed website. Go check out rockauto.com right now. They're a family business. They've been doing it for 20 years, and their prices are reliably low for every customer, whether you're a professional or a do-it-yourselfer, and they have choice. It's not just one option. You get multiple prices, brands, specifications, etc. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us boxes? Know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, let's now uh, hand out the award that everyone is waiting with bated breath to hear after every Raptors loss, right? <laughs> everyone wants to know who the dude of the game was. Well, the dude of the game for the first of these two games that we're recapping here, as we do on every game recap podcast, is going to be, of course, not a, not a player, but a coach. It's Nick Nurse, and there's a reason for this. That game on Thursday against the Pistons was a nightmare. It was uh, not only a bad loss for the Raptors, where Gary Trent Jr. goes 4 of 23, and they can't get anything going outside of Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam, but it also was just unwatchable piss, frankly. It was a Mark Davis-officiated game, which tends to be a game that is going to be a slog, that's going to be ticky-tack, where everything's going to get called, and you're going to be mad at the stuff that doesn't get called. And that was the case for Nick Nurse against the Pistons on Thursday. He was irate a lot. And I was too from home watching this game. And it's not because I thought the Raptors were getting an unfavorable whistle or anything like that. It's because the entire game was unwatchable. It was just an amalgamation of all these like ticky tack, oh, moving screen. Oh, it's a, it's a, like a little ticky tack up and, you know, touch foul. Like, come on, we, we, we're adults here. The NBA is a league for adults. It's, a, it's not baby basketball. And they're allowed to have some contact, man. Let them play through it once in a while. It creates a more entertaining product, which is ultimately what we're all in this for. I don't want to sit here and watch 50 foul calls in a game because it's exhausting. And Mark Davis was really grinding my gears in that game on Thursday, as he often does when he calls games. And again, this is not some sort of the, the refs are conspiring against the Raptors thing. It's the refs are conspiring against doing their jobs well more often than not. And all teams are affected by it. And the game on Thursday was just a prime example. Like if Jeff Van Gundy were calling that game, he would be complaining about the the incessant foul calls and the take fouls going on and everything like that. It would be Jeff Van Gundy's least favorite game to watch all season long. I'm convinced of it. But the take fouls are like a whole other thing. That's not the ref's fault for calling them, but there were like six of them in that game that eliminated Raptors fast breaks because the Pistons were just too lazy to get back and they fouled. Very clear fast breaks were developing, and it's a bummer. The take foul sucks. It takes away dunks. It takes away transition. It's unbelievable that it still exists in a league that is all about sharing highlights. It's like, oh, yeah, let's just remove six extra highlights from every game because we have this dumb rule that doesn't really have any sort of punitive nature to it that, oh, yeah, you can just foul when you have no chance of stopping the basket, and you're totally fine. It's stupid. Soapbox over. But when it comes to, like, the just the the play-by-play, the – three like, like i don't know it felt like there was never like more than three possessions where there wasn't a foul call in that game it took like 45 minutes to play the third quarter i don't blame nick nurse for getting so mad in that game that he got double teched and tossed and you saw if you were watching the game on thursday the lip reading when he got tossed swear alert coming up if you have your kids in the car give them earmuffs but you could very clearly tell that nick nurse after saying his piece to mark davis only having the one tech 
was like, you know what? I'm going to pick up this second tech. And he turned over to him and he very clearly mouthed fucking prick to Mark Davis. And he gets the dude of the game purely because he got to say to Mark Davis, which I think most people would love to say to Mark Davis. So he gets it there. It's, it's not even really a debate for me. He is your dude of the game for the game against the Detroit Pistons. Now, last night, Harder to think of a due to the game because it was just a really, really upsetting game top to bottom. The offense was completely out of sorts. Just the process there was, look, they got some nice looks, I thought. I don't think it was like they were taking horrible shots outside of a couple of Gary Trent heat checks, but no one was knocking anything down. No one was giving any help to today's due to the game or last night's due to the game. And that is, of course, Pascal Siakam. Pascal is the dude of the game for the game against the... I'm trying to get the graphic to work here. Please bear with me. Uh, <laughs> he is the dude of the game against the Detroit Pistons, or sorry, the Orlando Magic, because he was the only guy who really showed up to do much of anything in this one, and it really felt like the only chance they had of winning the game was for him to... There you go. The graphic has worked. was for him to kind of do it all on his own. He had 34 points last night, clearly a team high. The next highest guy on the team was Flynn with 20. After that, it was 11 for Precious Achua. Uh, 34 points, 14 rebounds, just two assists. The two assists in the last two games for him really speaks to the environment within which he's working. There's just not a lot of support, not a lot of outlets for him to find. Teams are collapsing down in the paint. Those beautiful little cuts and you know seeping into space that Thad Young and Scotty Barnes do, those have been sort of dried up because of the lack of space inside because teams know they can just pack the paint against this Raptors team. It does not matter that they're going to give up a bunch of threes because they're probably going to miss them at this point. And Pascal was just brilliant last night. 13 of 20, 6 of 8 from, free, from the free throw line, 2 of 3 from downtown as well. And the way Siakam has played the last few games here gives you a lot of excitement. He's improved incrementally over every single game since the All-Star break. He seems like he's back to his old self right now after kind of looking for that touch in those first few games. So that is a really encouraging sign going forward here is if Pascal Siakam is playing this way, Everything should come into form around him once again. And again, if you get a better game from Gary Trent Jr. in either of the last two games, they're probably winning because their best player, Siakam, was so good that he brought them to a certain level that got them to within striking distance. He's been that excellent over these last couple of games as a scorer, as a finisher, as a guy who obviously continues to play excellent defense as well. He's just everywhere. And so... Pascal's your due to the game. He plays a total of 83 minutes over the back-to-back -back in two losing efforts. That's a big-time bummer, but I'm also just impressed by the fact that Siakam feels completely, like, fine. Like, he doesn't seem like he's getting burnt out or anything like that. The conditioning for this guy this season has been unbelievable, and that should be commended because he does not look like he's losing steam at all. Before the, the All-Star break, maybe a little bit, but even then, I don't think it really was looking like the, the minutes were catching up to him all that much. And you obviously don't want him to be playing this many minutes all the time. It's dangerous. You're playing with fire there, but the fact that he's done it and looked as good as he has is bloody impressive and speaks to his conditioning and the way that he kind of kept in shape, uh, or has kept in shape all throughout the season. And I guess he's been played into shape by Nick Nurse, uh, kind of by uh, necessity as well, which is an interesting thing to note as well. But yeah, Pascal, been great. Uh, unreal and you know basically was doing the 2021 22 lebron impression last night where he's playing incredible basketball everybody else around him is completely just kicking it all over the floor and uh yeah so pascal really good stuff i i don't know what else to say he, he was fantastic in the game against the magic and if you're looking for optimism going forward the fact that he's back to this level after those few games after the all-star break kind of in the weeds that should mean pretty good things going forward here for the Raptors in their future matchups that uh, are going to have a lot of playoff implications. They're 34. 
and 29 right now. The again, the just to kind of give you a, a landscape of the Eastern Conference at the moment, they are now three games up in the loss column on the Nets after losing last night. The Nets were stagnant; they're at 32 and 32. The Cavaliers 36 and 27, two games up on the Raptors, so very much within striking distance right now as they have lost three in a row. Four and six in their last ten, matching what the Raptors have done. Uh, that that battle for the six seed is going to be very interesting, and also like how the standings shake out. And is that three six matchup going to be something maybe kind of nice, like a Bulls Raptors matchup or something like that, where maybe you could talk yourself into the Raptors winning it based on how the Bulls have played lately, or is it a oh god they're playing the Sixers in the three six and it's over? Uh, would they have preferred to be the two seven and take on the Bulls that way? It's all it's all so clustered right now. We have no idea how it's going to finish, but very much keeping an eye on these standings over the last 20 games or so here because a lot will be determined by the matchups and the way all these teams end up seeded. Anyway, with that, I'll wrap up today's Saturday edition of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Apologies for missing the episode yesterday. Blame computers. It's always fair to blame computers, right? I'm an old man. I can do that. Uh, we'll be back again on Monday. We're going to break down the game against the Cavaliers with Vivek Jacob. On Tuesday this week, we're going to be joined by Mark Schindler, who we love and is just so, so good at covering basketball and all the different facets. We're going to dig into the Rookie of the Year race between scotty barnes evan mobley Cade cunningham and uh see where scotty barnes sort of shakes out wasn't the best of nights for scotty barnes against the magic last night really really rough stuff more often than not a couple of nice flourishes here and there but could not finish whatsoever and again if you get a better game from barnes last night instead of four of 15 if he goes you know seven of 15 the way he has for the most part recently they probably win that game as well but he was unbelievable on thursday against the detroit pistons and very very tantalizing and still very much i think making the rookie of the year race conversation we will talk it through with mark schindler on tuesday with that thank you so much for tuning in we'll talk to you again monday and uh thanks for making us your first listen of the day go make your second listen of the day locked on nba is they're covering every single game in the nba over the course of the week all the big matchups you care about giving you the lowdown on what happened and why it matters. That's Unlocked on NBA, both on the podcast apps and on YouTube. With that, have a great rest of your weekend, everybody. Bye.